Greetings and salutations and welcome to this special edition of the Game Sports Show Soccer Edition. Scott Nason with you along with co-host Daniel Scarpino. Daniel, how you doing on this well beautiful Sunday morning in the Twin Sioux? Doing fantastic on this beautiful Sunday morning in the Twin Sioux, Scott. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful, and uh, Daniel, we got a lot of soccer to cover over the past month as we have the international tournaments, uh, some still going on, some that have ended, and well, let's start with the one that you and I have talked about over the past, well, really couple months, Euro 2020. It did end a few weeks ago, but we certainly were glued to the telly, as they would say, over in the UK and and other parts as Italy wins their first European championship since 1968 as they knocked off England in a penalty shootout at Wembley. And certainly uh, it was a tournament, Daniel, in my opinion, that uh, lived up to the hype as far as just the the level of play. And certainly we had lots of surprises. Italy maybe was a team, well, I wouldn't say maybe, Italy was a team that I think didn't have a whole lot of expectations going into the tournament. Italy, uh, a country that missed the World Cup back in 2018, but they certainly uh, had a very good rebuilding program, if you will, to to take the title. Uh, lots to talk about, but uh, before we kind of delve into some of the individual countries and some of the in- other topics, just your overall view on Euro 2020. Well, I think, as you said, Scott, I think you said it perfectly that the tournament certainly lived up to its hype and, and I think in many ways actually exceeded expectations. I thought um, some of the games that we were able to witness were absolutely sensational. Some of the upsets, uh, the likes of Switzerland, for example, Ukraine were able to get through to their first quarterfinal at this major tournament. I thought that was uh, that was massive. Denmark made a, a sensational push in the tournament. Um, I thought that there were, were some key moments, some great goals that were scored, but ultimately I think when it comes down to the fine details of it, if you take a look at this tournament exclusively, the best team probably won and the best two teams probably met up in the final. So my thoughts on the uh, the tournament as a whole, I thought uh, it was everything that we wanted, everything that we probably needed in terms of soccer, and I think that uh, it was an excellent way to uh, kickstart the summer. Going back to the final at Wembley, certainly uh, most people in England uh, thought it was coming home. And, you know, the way England uh, was playing and really did play uh, throughout the tournament, even in that final, uh, proved to be as such. You know, England gets that early goal. And to me in that match, I I think that maybe wasn't the best thing that happened for England because, you know, then they sat back and, you know, in soccer, as you know, as a coach, as somebody that follows it closely, it's tough to just sit back and, and wait for a team like Italy for that much time. And Italy gets that equalizer. They go to extra time and anybody that follows international soccer knows that once it gets to a penalty kick uh, situation, it's really a coin flip. But with England, it's really not because they just struggle in in penalty kicks uh, throughout their history. They did win one a couple years ago at the World Cup beating Colombia. But you kind of got the feeling, at least I did, Daniel, I was watching that match with my wife. And as soon as I got the penalty kicks, I says, it's over. England, England just, they do not do well in these situations. And 
obviously there could be better ways I think to to end a tournament without penalty kicks but Italy got it done when they had to and this is a country that maybe hasn't had the best luck at penalty kicks they did win the World Cup back in 2006 over France but you know you get to that situation it's a and to me it's an unfair way to end a match let alone a tournament but Italy had the moxie to to get the result that they needed I agree, and I saw and heard a quote um, right after the tournament. It was something to the uh, to the effect of a penalty kick is the most dramatic and best way if you're on the winning side, but is the most heartbreaking if you're on the losing side. Right. And um, yeah, I do think that m- maybe in hindsight that there are probably some better ways, but this is the nature of of, so- of soccer. This is the nature of football. So um, I think that final, as you said, England that had. Such a fantastic start in the opening two minutes, Luke Shaw. I, I think the, the build-up to that goal was tremendous, the cross from Trippier and then Luke Shaw finishing uh, finishing that, that action. I thought that was sensational for them to start. But then after, like you said, they really sat back. They sat deep. They were never on the front foot again for pretty much the, re- the remainder of the match. And I thought that that was uh, to Italy's benefit, really, because um, Italy were able to, to dictate the game in terms of possession. I think the, the final possession statistics Italy had – upwards of 65%, closer to 70%. So they really dictated the match. Um, and, and I think that that kind of suited Italy going forward. But I think a lot of times in soccer, like you say, if, if you score early and then you kind of put a shell on and you sit deep and you try and stay compact, that can come off and that can work from time to time. But if you have the talent of this England squad – I was surprised a little bit that they never went out and tried to look for a second. Maybe not overly aggressive, but just showing some intent going forward. Maybe playing between the lines a little bit more. Maybe trying to stretch Italy's back four a little bit more. Because there were other moments, especially later on in the match, where Italy showed that, yeah, they can get stretched. And uh, England never really uh, tried to expose that. And then when it went to penalty and when it went to penalty kicks, obviously some of the conversation around that has sort of dissipated because the tournament is about two weeks removed. But um, there was a, a, a talks for about seven days there of, of Southgate's decisions of, of who he, he allowed to step up and take the penalties. And he did receive a lot of flack. And unfortunately, uh, the three boys who missed uh, received a lot of flack and abuse as well. But um, I think ultimately, in the end, the, the penalty shoot, as you said, it can go any way. England doesn't have a tremendous track record in penalty kicks, but we always knew that if it got to that stage, it was going to be anyone's game. Italy maybe showed a little bit more confidence, a little bit more, um, a little bit more calmness, if you will. And uh, in the end, they were able to win. So there's a lot of talking points, I would say, surrounding the penalty shootout. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. We always knew that this could be a reality. And in the end, it was. And uh, Italy are champions and they are champions for a reason, Scott. Yeah, Daniel, you mentioned some of the, the, the surprises in the tournament. Obviously, uh, you know, you mentioned Ukraine uh, making it to the quarterfinals, uh, Switzerland, a team that I don't think many people, including us, gave a lot of chance to advance. Uh, they, you know, a team that makes the knockout stage, but hasn't made it past the, uh, you know, that stage that they get, uh, advanced and, and Italy, obviously, 
the biggest surprise, I think, of all winning it. Some of the disappointments to me, uh, you know, France, they just never quite got it in gear. They were in that tough group, uh, the group of death, and you look at how that group did. Uh, none of those three teams that advanced made it uh, to the semifinals with France, Germany, and Portugal. Uh, who were some of the other uh, big surprises to you as far as teams uh, that you thought uh, you know overachieved and some of the teams that underachieved? Well, first I'll start with Denmark, and the reason I'll say that is because obviously the the big point with Christian Eriksen, we we spoke about it in one of our previous talks, Scott, that it didn't matter what happened at this tournament; it was it was his health that everyone was hoping would be okay, and that would have been the the shining light in this tournament. And it looks like he's on the mend and that he's doing well, which is which is a good thing. So I think that Denmark exceeded a lot of expectation. There was some. Some contention, I would say, in that semifinal when they played England. I think that England were going to win that game regardless, but there was the uh, the contentious bit there of the Sterling dive situation when the penalty was called. Um, so Denmark, I think, exceeded a lot of expectation. Uh, I think, again, Ukraine getting to their first quarterfinal at the, at the Euros. I, I think Shevchenko, um, he's pretty much hailed as a national hero now for what he's done for that team, and Ukraine certainly deserved to get there. Uh, another team that, that I think needs mention, uh, aside from Switzerland, which, you know, I didn't think were particularly great at the tournament, but it definitely exceeded expectation. I think, uh, the Czechs. I think the Czechs, yeah. Uh, yeah, they did very well. Patrick Schick, he's a fantastic player. And I probably should have given them more credit going into this tournament. They have the likes of Sioux Fall and Suchek. They have decent players in that team, but they beat the Netherlands 2-0. They deserve to go through, and uh, for for the most part throughout the tournament, they they played a pretty decent brand of soccer, and it was nice to watch. Um, so in the end, I think that those would uh, those would be my kind of um, surprises of the tournament, but they were nice surprises to see. I must admit. And one other surprise, Daniel, before we wrap up our Euro 2020 talk, in my opinion, was. The success of VAR, I, I know a lot of people, a lot of hardcore football and soccer fans uh, haven't uh, really warmed to the VAR system. Certainly it, it's had its hits and misses over the past couple of years. As somebody that watches the Premier League, I know the majority of fans in the Premier League are, aren't a big fan of the VAR, but I really thought that VAR was very effective in this tournament. Yes, there's always going to be a few calls that, that are going to be controversial, but I thought the VAR system worked well. I think the officials, for the most part, were shown that, that their calls were correct. I think it was something like maybe 10% of the calls were overturned or something to that. But I thought what they did very well was they the decisions were made quickly. It didn't delay the matches like we've seen in some Premier League games over the past couple of years where they were able to you know quickly and effectively uh, get the call right. And, and in the end, I think anybody, uh, any coach or player or even fan, you want to get that call right, and to me, VAR was very successful in this tournament. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Scott, and I think in theory and on the surface, VAR is a good thing, and if you take a look at the application of VAR this this past year in the Premier League, for example, most people wanted to scrap it, and I was actually one of those people at, at a certain point in the season because I thought to myself, number one, it takes forever for them to get uh, the decision correct. Two, sometimes they don't get the decision correct, particularly on offside situations, and the interpretation of when VAR is going to be utilized uh, is something that is kind of up in the air, and it's it's a huge point of confrontation. But then you take a look at these major tournaments, so the 2018 World Cup when VAR was, was used and how spot-on they were there, and then 2020 Euros when the, the VAR was used again and how spot-on it was. It just goes to show that 
if a league, for example, like the Premier League, isn't using it correctly, it really is an application issue. There's nothing actually wrong with VAR in and of itself. The decisions were made quick at the tournament. The decisions, as you said, you know, 90% of the time were, were quite spot on. 10% of the time, the officials had to be overruled. And I thought that this tournament was officiated very well. And with the help of VAR, it just kind of supplemented what the officials on the pitch were meant to do. And I thought that there was a good level of cohesion, a good level of cohesiveness between VAR and the officials, and it really supplemented and benefited the game overall. And I think that a, a league like the Premier League, especially going into the season, because it is going to be a big one, I think that they could learn some lessons from what was used in VAR at Euro 2020. So I would say that overall with the officials and with VAR, I was quite pleased for, for what I saw, for what I've seen uh, at the tournament, Scott. Scott Nason and Daniel Scarpino for this special edition, the soccer edition of the Game Sports Show, brought to you by Northern Superior Brewing Company, where they are superior and it's a northern thing. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Check them out at northernsuperior.org. Free local deliveries and delicious locally crafted beer support local. Daniel, the other a big tournament that, that ended over the past few weeks was Copa America. I, I admit I did not watch this one as much as the Euros, but certainly uh, it was a very exciting one and been a great summer for, for Lionel Messi and Argentina. They capture the Copa America after knocking off Brazil 1-0. Uh, certainly a, a different tournament without fans, and maybe that was a good thing considering mm-hmm. some of the fan interaction, especially at Wembley in that final, which is absolutely disgusting, but not surprising, unfortunately, for anyone that follows soccer and England. Uh, their fans sometimes can can get a little out of hand. But uh, great job by Argentina and Lionel Messi. You know, Messi, great club player, but that's been the big knock on him is he wins for club, but he doesn't win for country. Well, guess what? He won for country, and uh, Argentina's the Copa America champions. Absolutely, and uh, throughout the group stage, I just simply followed it, but I had one friend that was really, really into the Copa America because he is Argentinian, um, and then when it got to the knockout stages, I really got involved in watching the games. I would say that with the predictions that I made uh, in terms of the Copa America, I was I was thinking that Argentina was going to find a way to In my heart of hearts, I was hoping that they would because I do like uh, Lionel Messi, and uh, Argentina did find a way to, to win, and I thought that they were... I don't want to say comfortable throughout the tournament because they had some nervy moments, but in the end, I think that they were they were certainly the best team to get themselves over the line. Delighted for for Lionel Messi to uh, to win uh, an international trophy it was something that was certainly missing from his cabinet, and I think now the conversation can kind of go away from is he good enough to win an international trophy? Um, can he carry a team? Well, I think that uh, we were able to see through, particularly in the knockout stages, that. He, he was able to not only carry his team, but to, to lead it and lead it in a, in a fine direction. And, um, yeah, the Copa America being played with fans was a little bit strange, but at the same time, we were, you know, we, we saw for the past however many months, um, in, in, in domestic leagues. So it was, uh, I would say an interesting tournament, an engaging tournament, and some of the games that, uh, I watched, uh, were particularly entertaining. So delighted for Lionel Messi, delighted for Argentina, and delighted for, uh, all Argentina's fans. And Daniel, this sets up for World Cup qualifying, which is already underway. It'll resume here in September as the World Cup will be in Qatar in the winter months of 2022. And, you know, lot, lots of storylines and teams to watch. Obviously, uh, Argentina, Argentina, rather, uh, obviously uh, now 
you know, probably one of the favorites, at least to get to the World Cup. And what I like about international soccer is it seems like it never stops. I mean, you do have stops and starts with the domestic leagues and certainly going to be a lot different uh, having a World Cup in the middle of these domestic leagues next season. But World Cup qualifying already underway uh, and you know, we kind of have some ideas maybe on, on some of the favorites going into 2022. Uh, in your opinion right now, it's very early, but who are some of the teams that you think are the favorites in 2022? Well, I, I can't. What I have to say is that if we take a look at this, this past Euro 2020 final, you'd have to think that England is going to be there or there just about again. They have a very young squad. They have guys that are going to have another now 18 months of experience coming through. So I think England are going to be a team to watch, so I'm going to put them first. Uh, I also think that you can't discount teams like Italy, Spain. I think France will make a return of some kind. I think that they're going to hopefully learn a lesson. Uh, there's lots of talks right now that Portugal is going to be quite good. And then you take a look at the South American teams. I think Argentina will be there pushing for something. Brazil will probably be there pushing for something. So I think that those teams, I would say, are probably the ones that you're going to want to look for. And then you always have to take into account that there could be a surprise. There's lots of talks right now that Turkey, uh, even though they had a very dis disappointing Euro campaign, that they are going to be one of the teams to watch in 2022 at the at the World Cup. So we're going to have to see how this qualification campaign goes. Like you said, coming up in September here, it's it's pretty much already getting underway. Managers and, and these international sides are already prepping for what is going to be ahead of them in their qualification phases. But I think that there there could be some surprises, but those teams that I mentioned certainly are going to be the look-fors. And, um, I mean, this might be the only time that we get to see a World Cup in our lifetime over the course of uh, Christmas holidays, so this will be pretty fun and pretty interesting, I would say. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting indeed. This special edition of the Game Sports Show Soccer Edition brought to you by Sports Center Bar & Grill. Voted the Sioux's Best Sports Bar five years in a row. Two years best wings. Check them out on social media and make sure to check them out to for some takeout. And when when you look down to Sports Center Bar and Grill, great atmosphere. Certainly looking forward to getting back over there. Heck, it may be sooner than later. The borders are reopening, at least over in Canada. So looking yes, forward sir. to getting back to Sports Center Bar and Grill. Scott Nason and Daniel Scarpino with you. And Daniel, the, the one uh, tournament that is still going on, and we're doing this recording Sunday morning, so we don't know the results of the big Gold Cup semifinal matches, which will be played later today. But we did have some played last night. Uh, Mexico, a team that kind of sputtered at the start. Uh, they had no trouble with Honduras last night, knocking them off 3-0. And uh, Qatar, yes, they are in the CONCACAF Gold Cup as a special invite. And all this team does is keep winning. They knocked off El Salvador by the score of a three to two. And so you have today later on Costa Rica taking on Canada tonight at seven, a United States taking on Jamaica at nine 30. The winner of the Canada Costa Rica game will take on Mexico on a Thursday night. The winner of the U S Jamaica match will take on Qatar also on Thursday, I've been watching a, a bit of this tournament. Daniel, certainly not the level that you see in the Copa America or in the Euros as far as level of play, but I think it's been a pretty good tournament. Certainly, the U.S. and Canada ha had a great match uh, there over the weekend with the United States taking a 1-0 victory after, what, scoring 20 seconds into the match, I believe. Just your overall thoughts on the Gold Cup so far. 
Well, I think that it's, it's, as you said, it's not to the level of, of the Euros or the Copa America, for example, but it's close to home. It's something that we want, of course, to support for our countries that we, uh, that we, of course, live in. But I think that there has been that entertainment value, if you will, in this tournament. There have been some fantastic matches. There have been some amazing goals that have been scored. And I think now that we see it uh, in the quarterfinal, Qatar obviously uh, narrowly won yesterday. Mexico, they're looking very sharp at the minute. Um, and then obviously we have two fantastic games this evening. I think that the tournament, uh, I think overall it has been good. There's really not too, too much that I can say about it other than the fact that I'm delighted for Canada to be where they are in a quarterfinal. I think that the teams that you would expect to be there towards the end of the tournament with the likes of Mexico, Costa Rica, Canada, U.S., Jamaica, etc. I think that, you know, you would have probably pegged that at the beginning of the tournament, but it's been, uh, it's been a decent watch for the games that I have watched, uh, even though I've been relatively selective in the games that I've been able to watch, but it, it's been a good tournament so far, Scott, for sure. You didn't watch uh, Suriname and Guyana in the opening round, Daniel, because I certainly didn't. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I, I must have missed that one, Scott. Yeah, some tough matches there with some of the uh, the minnows, if you will. And <laughs> one other thought on that, just going back to Qatar, you know, this is a country that's going to host the 2022 World Cup. And key, uh, countries that have hosted the World Cup, uh, for the most part, usually do pretty well. We saw Russia do that a, a few years ago, getting out of the group stage. I think the only country that's hosted that hasn't made it out of the group stage in in recent memory is South Africa back mm. in 2010 but you know this Qatar team I think they're undefeated in their last 14 matches they're going to be playing in the uh, UEFA qualifications not not to qualify but just to get some matches in so I think that's good for the World Cup to see a host country like Qatar playing pretty good football right now. Oh, certainly, and and I think that maybe it is uh, slightly an advantage, as we saw at uh, the 2018 World Cup with Russia. I never really gave them much of a chance to advance, but they had a fantastic group stage, and they did get through. And, you know, Qatar right now, again, same sort of situation. I would have never pegged Qatar to, Qatar to sort of you know, find their way through and, and play as, as good as they are. And maybe you could argue, well, it's the competition that they're up against. But at the same time, you can only beat what's in front of you. You can only play against what's in front of you, and they're doing just that. So perhaps at the World Cup, maybe they do make some noise, and maybe they are going to be one of those teams where we have to say, yeah, you know what, hosting the tournament, look a decent side. You'd have to maybe fear a little bit for, for their opponents, and maybe they do go through. So right now it's interesting to see for sure. But, yeah, you'd have to be uh, impressed with what Qatar has shown uh, so far. Absolutely. This special edition of the game, Sports Show Soccer Edition, brought to you by Little Caesars Pizza. Shout out to Mike Flamia, local successful business owner. They have multiple locations, affordable and delicious pizza. And a special shout out to North Shore Sports and Auto, looking for a toy. Look no further than North Shore, family-owned and locally-owned by Ryan and Jordan Rochetta, cousins to both Dave and Daniel. Dave is certainly enjoying his sea-doo from there. North Shore Sports and Auto, they are committed to providing the best products at the best prices. Uh, Daniel, before we uh, end the show with some local soccer, we're only a few weeks away from uh, the domestic leagues starting up. I believe most, if not all, these leagues will be in front of uh, full-capacity crowds, assuming that COVID and this Delta variant doesn't get out of control. Uh, certainly something I'm looking forward to. Uh, Premier League is is the league that I follow 
the the closest and, and certainly uh, lots of storylines there. I'm a Chelsea fan and I'm looking forward to seeing how they do uh, in, in their campaign. Uh, what are some of the things you're looking forward to coming up in either the Premier League, La Liga, League One, Serie A, just uh, overall? It's going to be exciting here and it's going to start here in a few weeks. Absolutely. I'm looking forward uh, to when things kickstart in a few weeks. I think August 7th, the uh, the community shield between Manchester City and uh, Leicester City commence. And then after that, it's pretty much uh, game on for the most part. Uh, one thing that I will say that I'm really looking forward to before the season even starts is this transfer window because there's so much speculation of uh, big named players that might be going to different clubs, the likes of Harry Kane, Erling Holland. Looks like Mbappe is going to stay uh, at PSG. But I think when it comes down to the season, of course, I'm very much focused on the Premier League as an Arsenal fan. I think that there's lots to speculate when it comes to the Premier League. Will Liverpool uh, make a bit of a resurgence, if you will, now that they've rebuilt their squad? Is Man City going to try and defend the title? Is Chelsea going to now push forward under Thomas Tuchel? You have all of these question marks. You take a look at a, a side like Manchester United. Are they going to improve? Are they going to make an even bigger push this year with the likes of signing Sancho? Um, I think La Liga, I think you're probably going to see Real Madrid or Barcelona kind of take that reign back, if you will. PSG, I must say, with the signings that they have made and the signings that they're still looking to make, they look a real threat. So I'd imagine that they would win uh, in France and maybe even make a massive push in the Champions League. Um, I think in Serie A, I think that there's a lot up for debate. I think maybe Juventus is going to try and come back around and, and, you know, retain their title, if you will. Um, so there's there's plenty to look forward to without question. I think in the Bundesliga, you're looking at Bayern Munich once again. But with so much to look forward to, uh, I think in the next couple of weeks, you're going to see more hype revolving around the domestic leagues. And I think that that's certainly a good thing. Hopefully, as you said, we have those capacity crowds. It's looking like uh, that will happen. And we can only hope that COVID kind of stays, stays under wraps so that that can occur but uh, certainly in the next few weeks, it's going to be exciting to see how these leagues kickstart. And uh, I'm super excited, Scott. I am as well, Daniel. And just one other thought, uh, you know, talking about the MLS, this is a, a league that I've tried to get into more over the years. It's certainly a, a better league, I think. You obviously have more teams, including in Canada and the United States. But it's one of those leagues, I guess I'm spoiled or watching the Premier League and some of these other leagues, it's it's a league I want to get into more, but I can't. I, I'm curious as far as, as your thoughts on the MLS. Is it a league that you follow closely, or are you like me? It's just it, it's hard to to get into the, the matches because, you know, you have to say it, the level of play just is not on par with what we've seen from the other leagues. Well, I certainly agree with you in the sense that it's not on par with the other leagues that we watch, but I've actually kind of taken an alternative approach to what most people do when it comes to things. Typically, people start out really slow, and then things kind of grow on them, whether it's a TV series or a sport or whatever. Well, I used right. to follow the MLS super, super closely, and it was almost a case of me never missing a TFC game uh, when it was on TV. And this was back in the day when they were, like, really, really, really poor, and they were just kind of getting started out. And then as time has gone on, I've actually kind of fell out with it. I don't watch it as much anymore. You know, I do watch the odd game here and there if it's, you know, a night where I'm not doing too much. But one of the things that, that I've 
certainly seen over the years is when I played university soccer and even when I was getting recruited to go and play at other schools, there were some names that were surrounding other schools that I was either getting recruited to or when I eventually did play in the OCAA or the OUA. Um, and some of these guys that I've played against or that were linked to schools that I was also getting recruited to are now playing in the MLS for some of these teams. So it is an interesting thing, I would say, but it's still a league where I look at it and it, it is, it really, honestly, Scott, it is amateur when you compare it to the likes of the Premier League or La Liga, etc. But it's difficult for me to kind of get back into. I used to be into it, but now I've kind of fallen out of it because, like you said, we are a little bit spoiled with being able to watch the top uh the top domestic leagues in the world. So that's kind of my feeling on it. But it is nice that we have uh, that brand of soccer, I would say, in America and in Canada. Daniel, before we end our special soccer edition of the Game Sports Show, we're getting closer and closer to the local sports season, uh, both sides of the pond, and certainly over in Canada, we have some schedules out for uh, a couple schools. So tell us about uh, what's going on locally soccer on your side of the pond. Absolutely. So some fantastic news for all those listening and watching uh, to this segment. Um, a lot of people have been wanting for the OUA and OCAA soccer to come back, and obviously we've been talking on this, that it would be coming back, and now we actually have schedules out. So if you go to OUA.ca and you go to the soccer um, link on that on that site, you will see the schedule for Algoma University. We are hosting five home games, men and women, and we'll be traveling an additional five times to play road games. So soccer is coming back to the Sioux in that aspect. And if you go to the OCAA uh website, so OCAA.ca, and you go to the soccer link, you will notice that Sioux College has um, their groups out. The schedule isn't quite released yet, but they will be hosting three home games. So this upcoming fall, yes, it is a condensed season, but people in Sioux St. Marie, Ontario will have the opportunity to watch eight uh, home games consisting of Algoma University and Sioux College. And I can't speak for Sioux College quite yet, Scott, but I know for sure that Algoma University will be streaming live all of their games on OUA TV. So that is another method for those folks to watch who won't be able to make the games at Superior Heights. But we are looking forward very much to, to seeing varsity soccer back in Sault Ste. Marie come September. Yeah, we're certainly looking forward to that here at the game. And once the season starts, Daniel, would love to have you or a couple players on our ESPN show on Monday night. And we'll continue these special edition soccer uploads here at thegamesportshow.com. Scott Nason and Daniel Scarpino with you for this special soccer edition of the Game Sports Show. And Daniel will probably do another recording here in a few weeks, uh, maybe just before or just as the other domestic leagues start. We'll wrap up the Gold Cup and we'll look ahead to the local sports as far as soccer at Algoma U, Sioux College, and in general. So thanks for taking time out of your Sunday to join us here on this special edition of the Game Sports Show, Soccer Edition. Enjoy the beautiful weather today. Go Canada, go USA. Let's hope they both win today and make it to the semifinals and who knows, maybe even make it to the final. Thanks for joining us, Daniel. We'll talk to you here in a few weeks at the Game Sports Show. Awesome. Thank you, Scott. Much appreciated, and it's always good to speak to you on here. Fantastic. Yeah, it was a great show, and looking forward to talking more soccer or football, if you will, during the season. That's going to do it for this special edition of the Game Sports Show Soccer Edition for Daniel Scarpino. My name is Scott Nason. We will talk to you very soon. Have a great night.